money, 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 money. And welcome into the award-winning, well, maybe down the road, award-winning Winning Ways Gaming Podcast. I'm David Schuster, joined, of course, by my good friend and very successful professional gambler, Mr. Andy Roth. And we are brought to you by DraftKings and much more from our wonderful sponsor a little bit later on in this podcast. Andy, how are you doing? Have you cashed tickets recently? Hey, you, you've called me Mr. I'm doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than calling you Mrs., of course. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I got to say this right off the bat, uh, and we're going to get to baseball futures, and, and I got a little bit of a surprise for you and the audience here. We'll get to that in a second. We're, we're going to get to uh, our NFL picks. We're going to get to my college picks. Um, but I got to start with this because my two college picks last week, hey, I don't always proclaim that I'm a genius, but the two college picks that I had last week, Andy, they both came through. Um, and I'm a novice compared to you, but I did have Oregon getting 14 and a half points at Ohio State on the road at Ohio State, and they won the game outright. And I just had a really sneaky feeling that might happen, but at least they were going to cover, and they more than just covered. And then the other game, I had Nebraska at home laying points. And listen, there's been so much ragging, if you will, on Nebraska that, you know, I probably a lot of people thought I was nuts. But they covered the spread at home against Buffalo, albeit. But no matter, it doesn't make a difference who you play. It's just whether you come out on the right end, right? But remember that old saying, especially in gambling. What have you done for me lately? On well, to it is two. true. That <laughs> is true. Um, and by the way, I did not talk about the games that I did get right for what it's worth. <laughs> but we'll do that. All right. We want to start with baseball in the futures. We're going to get to the NFL and college and, and uh, some other things. But we start with baseball. And uh, I, why don't you start? Go ahead. You you pick up the ball. Well, uh, let's start with the American League Cy Young Award. And like a political election, too close to call. Uh, Garrett Cole, the betting favorite, minus 125. Robbie Ray second at plus 110. I would actually have Ray one, Cole two. Ray coming off that dominating performance against the Rays. Seven innings, four hits, one run, no walks. 13 strikeouts. Now, I will say this. There's no play right now on this award. But next time out, if Ray comes out with another dominating performance and Cole is just good, if you can get Ray laying a small price, then you jump on it. I agree with you 100%. And I don't even like saying that I agree with you. But I do agree with you, by the way. Um, it's a two-horse race. It goes without saying. The other guys that were in, in the race for a while – uh, both because of injuries have fallen out and, and they haven't been that great either. And I'm talking about the two guys here in Chicago, Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon. But, uh, you know, they're they're far, far and away and they're not going to. And by the way, uh, their manager says that they're probably each only going to pitch two more times this season. So they have no chance, no chance of making up ground. Um, so I agree with you. And I agree with you also that Robbie Ray has assumed the lead, to be honest with you, even though. I think he's the second pick right now, is he not? By right, the and, and and let's add in, in Ray's last 10 starts, 1.80 ERA, and five of his last six double-digit strikeouts. So you are saying, and I'm glad that you are, you are saying that guys that finish with a flourish sometimes overtake the leader and win the award, correct? Yeah, the narrative of the end does count. Okay, Keep that in mind when we get to the uh, um, 
American League MVP award. We'll talk about that uh, in a minute. But the National League Cy Young Award, and that's probably, um, well, it's at least a two-horse race and probably a three-horse race. And I think we have a new leader in the clubhouse, do we not? Yeah, three-horse race, but the top two have a little separation from number three, Walker Bueller. Uh, he's listed at a plus 350. Scherzer now the leader in the odds at minus 105. Burns at plus 150. And because of Scherzer, his dominant performances since coming over to L.A., that's put him up top. You're talking about 6-0, 0.88 ERA. The Dodgers are 8-0 in his starts, and he's got 72 strikeouts and five walks. If he closes out the season in a big way, this is his award. So once again, same idea. Finishing with a flourish coming from way back to possibly and likely even winning the award. Once again, hold on to that thought. All right, let's go to the National League MVP. Go ahead, you lead off. And this is a good um, I'd say it's a two and a half man race. Right. Uh, we've got Fernando Tatis, the favorite of minus 180, Bryce Harper at plus 250. I would not make a play on either guy this time. If the Phillies do not make the playoffs, and I think it's going to be tough for them to do it, I don't think Harper wins it. Uh, if the Padres don't make the playoffs, then it opens up the door maybe for my guy, Juan Soto, who is now 25 to 30 to 1. Uh, he is still putting up huge numbers, despite the fact that after Schwarber getting traded and Turner getting traded, nobody wants to pitch to him, but he's second in the National League in Warner Tatis. He leads the majors in on-base percentage, and he's third in OPS. Also, though, I think, you know, on top of other things, of the other guys being ahead of him, you know, the fact that he's on a crappy team and they're going nowhere, you know, when it comes to voting for awards, I think that factors in by a lot of the voters, okay? All right, so now we get to the American League MVP. And again, I'm going to factor in finishing with a flourish, being on a team that's getting into the playoffs as opposed to a team going nowhere. And I think you know where I'm going with this. Shohei Otani has been the odds-on favorite for weeks and months, okay? But here comes Vlad Guerrero, okay? I'm going to tell you, I think Vlad Guerrero is going, it might sound crazy, if you can get any kind of price, even if you can't, I mean, you're going to get a price no matter what, I would pound him right now, Andy, because he is finishing with that same flourish. He's going to be on a playoff team that's finishing with an incredible flourish, and Otani is going backwards, big time. And I saw him here in Chicago. I was at the game even today, and, and I've been watching him. Now, first of all, he's probably not going to pitch anymore this season because his arm is, is hurting him. And Joe Madden said before the game, you know, I don't think he's going to pitch anymore. That's not etched in stone, but it's pretty likely that he won't. Also, offensively, Andy, he's three for his last 20. He had one hit in the three games here in Chicago since August 1st, dog days into the last two months of the season, he's hitting all of 213, okay? That's pretty crappy, I'll be honest with you. Meanwhile, Vlad Guerrero is in the running for a triple crown. He's tied for the first in batting average. He's tied for the first in home runs. And he's fifth in, in RBIs, not that far behind the leader. And he's been pounding the baseball. So I don't know what the numbers are. You'll tell us what the numbers are. I think Vlad Guerrero is going to win the award. I really do. Well, if you want to play Vlad, you can get him as high as 14 to 1. I've heard the chatter that if he wins the Triple Crown and they get into the playoffs, he could snatch this award. But if you do your research and you look at the narrative from the media, 
Uh, it's the same talk. What Otani has done is historic. We've never seen anybody do anything like this. And I think it will reflect in the voting still. Well, again, he's probably still the favorite right now. But if he continues to hit 200 over these final 17 games, 17 days or whatever it is of the regular season and Guerrero gets his team into the playoffs, you know, I think a lot of those voters are going to have to really look at it a, a second or third time and, and, and be honest with themselves. And like I said, if you can get I mean, isn't this a classic case of getting a, a sort of a long shot with just a couple of weeks left in the season with a guy who's spinning out of the turn and like an aqueduct or something like that and making that late charge. Isn't this like carbon, you know, carbon copy of that? I'll tell you what, I'll make a prediction right here. Otani gets at least 75 of the first place votes. Write it down and we'll revisit it in November. <laughs> and listen, you're probably right, but I, I like my narrative also. Oh, wait a minute. Probably? <laughs> <laughs> I still like my narrative. Um, okay. Before, before we get well, to, at least one of us does. Yeah, okay. <laughs> before we get to uh, football um, and a few other things, um, um, and, and, of course, our sponsor, I'm going to do that in just a second also. How about the Rookies of the Year? National League locked up for Jonathan India. Nothing to say there. American League, Randy Arozarena, the favorite at minus 170. I actually think that price is a little low. I would make him at least 70% to win the award, so the appropriate line is about minus 240. So I would recommend to play on a Rosarena, keep an eye on Adelis Garcia at plus 250, and keep a small eye on Luis Garcia of the Astros, who's, who's plus 1,200, but unlikely to be uh, a winner of this award. Has uh, Franco dropped out of it, you think? Yeah, I think the hamstring injury, unfortunately, for Franco backers, like myself, at 35 to 1. I know. It ended that run. Okay. You have All a right. handkerchief? Yes. Yeah. I'm sending to you long distance. Uh, <laughs> I have to cry a little. Pony Express or something like All that. Right. All right. We'll get to football in just a moment. But again, speaking of football, week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And to kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game, listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 2 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an, offic an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, speaking of football, Andy, let's start with the pros. I'll let you lead off. All right, and I was 1-1 one one last week, which I consider a losing week because of the VIG. Correct. Uh, game number one for me, Bills laying the three and a half in Miami against the Dolphins. Uh, Buffalo, the more desperate team, coming off the losing uh, a game against the Steelers last week. 
Uh, Josh Allen, five and one against the Bills, has put up big numbers against them. And the quarterback matchup I'll take there with Josh Allen against Tua. So take Buffalo and lay the three and a half. All Your right. turn. All right, I'll go. Um, bum, 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 bum. Uh, New Orleans at Carolina. The Saints are minus three and a half. Um, and the over is 44. I don't like the game. I'm a little nervous about the game. New Orleans is coming off, obviously, a trouncing at home against Green Bay. So I don't really know what to make of New Orleans. Carolina, I don't know what to make of them at all, even though they're coming off. I think they're coming off a win, are they not? Yes, they are. Right, against the Jets. Yes, with with uh, the revenge game for Darno, no less. But I do like the over in this game. I don't think either team's got a defense that's that great. Uh, the weather, I'm sure, will be perfect in Carolina like it always is at this time of the year. So 44 points does not sound like a big number to me. I'm going over in that game. You're up. All right, second game, I'll come back to the Steelers. They had that big opening week victory against Buffalo. Now the home opener against the Raiders. Raiders on a short week coming off the emotional win against the Ravens, uh, facing a Steelers D that pressured Josh Allen 22 times with only two blitzes. Last week, Derek Carr, 5 of 15 with a pick. When he's pressured in that opening game, I'm taking Pittsburgh and laying the six. Those are my two for the week. Okay, and and I wholeheartedly agree with you on that game. Actually, I saw the number at five and a half, but it doesn't make any difference to me. I can't believe Pittsburgh is anything less than a touchdown pick at home. Yes, Las Vegas had the big emotional win on uh, at night the other night, but a shortened week. They're coming across the country. That always seems to go against the teams coming from west to east, and, and Pittsburgh is coming off a nice win on the road. So I agree with you. I love Pittsburgh laying the points in that game. And I have a feeling breakout week for rookie Najee Harris, but we'll see. Okay. I do have one more game. Um, And by the way, I was wrong completely on the Bears game. And that's the last time I'll probably even talk about a Bears game because, you know, I I get swept up emotionally and and you can't bet with your head. You got to, or with your heart, rather, you got to bet with your head. So from here on out, I'll just go against the Bears and probably win. But anyway, I'm not going to go in the game itself, the Bears in Cincinnati, but. I like the over once again in this game. The weather's going to be ideal here in Chicago on Sunday. Um, Cincinnati can definitely score points. They've already proven that. The Bears, even though they didn't play well, they still scored uh, 20-some-odd points. What did they score? They scored, uh, well, I don't even remember what they scored. But they will score points against Cincinnati also. So 45, which seems to be the normal number, right around that number, if you go around the league, um, I'm not going to tell you who's going to win the game because I don't know, but I like the over in that game. For All right. Week. We'll mark it down. Okay. Now, I talked to you earlier in the week. You find these prop bets, and prop bets are – I always am amused by that. In boxing, you know, is, is somebody going to get knocked out in the first, second, or third round? Yada, yada. It, can, can, you can bet on, a, on a, a fight ending in a draw. A lot of times those are long odds. And if you know the politics in boxing – you bet the draw because it happens more often than people think because it's a dirty sport. Um, but there's all kinds of prop bets. Well, I noticed there's prop bets in football too. I'm not surprised by that. But just tell me, you know, if, if you know, I'm not asking you if you would do these yourself, but does it surprise you at all? Like they have prop bets on almost every player in football, certainly offensively. Like for instance, Tom Brady, he's playing against Atlanta this week. The over-under on his passing yards is 313 yards. You can bet it over. You can bet it under. 
know, and, and, and so this is where I think the real maybe intellectual gambler who really follows the sport, you know, if he knows that uh, Atlanta secondary is beat up, you know, especially later on in the season, or if they're susceptible to the long pass or whatever, you know, that's where these prop bets become probably more popular than I even thought. Now, here's another one. And actually, I do like this one. Allen Robinson for the Bears. I think he had five receptions against the Rams for like 35 yards, which is ridiculous because the Bears weren't throwing the ball down the field at all. So his over-under for yards in this game, again, against Cincinnati, is 68 and a half yards. I can almost promise you that that will go over in this game. They will force the ball into him early and often. So, yeah, a lot of these prop bets, Andy, it's really interesting. I think they're probably pretty good plays. I'll give an interesting take on the Brady one. Last week, they felt they couldn't run the ball. They threw the ball all over the field. So they may go to the ground game more, which keeps them under the 313. Uh, okay. Uh, again, if, if, you know, if that's another way of looking at it, if their if they're defense, meaning Atlanta's, it's early in the season to say, you know, which way they're, you know, a lot of these teams will go unless they have injuries already. But if Atlanta is susceptible to giving up a lot of yardage on the ground, then yeah, you probably bet the under in this game. Plus, you never know if a guy's going to get injured in a game. He could get injured in the first quarter. Eh, you win the damn bet because he's not going to get 300 plus yards of throwing the ball in the first quarter. And by running the ball, you know, you win the possession game too. Correct. Correct. All right. So those are interesting prop bets. I mean, have you ever gone that route in anything, you know, different sports? Uh, occasionally I dabble. Uh, in the NBA, I like to look at players either um, returning to, the, uh, to a team for the first time since being traded, or I'll give you an example of Julius Randle, who was born in the Dallas area, always has big games when they play the Mavericks in Dallas. Okay. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Um, you know, where you really hear about prop bets, and again, I'm no expert on this, obviously, but come the Super Bowl, for instance, they have prop bets in Vegas, like who's going to win the coin flip, you know, to start the damn game. And, um, you know, uh, who's going to have the most punts in the game, Who, you know, stuff like that. And there's probably even more stuff that I can't even think of off the top of my head. And I'm just wondering, Andy, because, you know, a lot of people over the years, they bet uh, the squares, okay? You pick a square, yada, yada, yada. You get seven and three. If, if your team is winning 17 to 13 at halftime, you win the bet. Can you bet something like that in Vegas or anywhere else, squares, like in, in that kind of deal? They don't have that on a weekly basis. That's usually just for the Super Bowl. Just for the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. All right, now we come to college football. I know it's not your domain. I'm not going to say that it's my domain really either. However, I was two for two last week. So I'm pressure, go pressure. Yes, pressure. And as I, as I said, you can always burn the damn tape. Um, all right, I got two games. Normally, I'm going to stick in the Midwest because those are the teams that I'm more familiar with. But I'm going to go uh, one in the Midwest, and then I'm going to go outside mo my domain. Purdue and Notre Dame. Um, I'm not going to bet the game or I'm not going to give an advice on the game. However, once again, I like the over. Um, and colleges are, are pretty scary. Usually the over-unders in college are even higher than they are in the pros because college teams just don't play defense normally. There's like two or three teams annually that play defense in, in college football. And I don't think either one of these two is it. So Purdue and Notre Dame, the over-under is 58. That's pretty scary because you're talking about 
you know, at, at least eight touchdowns in the game, you know, minus any field goals to go over. However, I just find in college football that more often than not, it's like a pinball game and they just go up and down, up and down, up and down the field. So I like the over under in Purdue and Notre Dame. The other game that I like, and I can't believe I'm going with this Florida state, which is already, I think, Owen two, if I'm not mistaken. And they lost to uh, like a division nine school or something last week. It's pretty damn embarrassing. Anyway, they're on the road at Wake Forest. So it's an ACC game. And I don't know why I'm going with this, but I just got a sneaky feeling that if they don't win this game, their program is in complete shambles, which it might be anyway. Florida State is getting five points on the road. I like Florida State getting the five points. I think they're going to win the game outright. It's not exactly like Wake Forest is any kind of power. So I like the two games, Purdue and Notre Dame, over 58. And I like Florida State on the road getting five points at Wake Forest. Do you mind if I bet the opposite way so at least one of us will be a winner? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well it's your money man you can do what you want <laughs> Thanks. <your> money. <laughs> all right all right anyway we should uh um also pr- i, I want to promote that hopefully um and we'll talk about this in a minute also off the podcast but on our sharpshooters podcast next week last week we of course we had and people can still listen to it it's sharpshooters on this on the same network here we had um um, who do we have? I can't even remember. Ian Eagle. Oh, my God. I almost forgot. Ian Eagle. Uh, I'm going to tell Ian. <laughs> oh, I just teasing. We had Ian Eagle, of course, Brooklyn Nets play-by-play TV announcer. And next week on our Sharpshooters podcast, we have Mark Zumoff, who is the Philadelphia 76ers longtime TV play-by-play host on, on their uh, TV production. And he just retired. And as you well know, Andy, and a lot of people also know, um, Mark has been around the block. Still looks young, but he's been around the block for a long time. Not only can he talk a little bit about what's going on with the current 76ers, but there's so much history, obviously, in, in the city of Philadelphia, Dr. J, and, and so many other characters and teams over the years. So I want to just uh, throw out there on our um, next week's podcast on Sharpshooters, we're going to have Mark Zoom off. And hopefully we'll get a little scoop or insight on Ben Simmons. Yep. And I've got to ask him about Philadelphia's number 13, Mr. Chamberlain. Oh, absolutely. Who I yeah. know you I know you feel, and this has, doesn't really have much to do about gambling, you feel is the greatest basketball player of all time. And it's hard That's, to dispute that. It really is. Even well, though even though I, I have Michael Jordan in this city and he's sort of known, at least nowadays, as the best basketball player, completely different players, obviously. Let's put it this way. It's a reasonable opinion to have. And, and my feeling is the current and previous generation of players, fans, and media don't know their history, and the NBA doesn't promote the history. Dr. J has said on many occasions the NBA acts like the game started in the 1980s. And you're right about that. And, 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 and listen, I'm a basketball junkie. You're a basketball junkie. We're roughly the same age, give or take um, a year you're or so. You're 35? Yeah, I just turned it. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> 35. It's catching up with my IQ. Um, but, you know, even when I started to really first see Wilt, he was past his complete prime, okay? I didn't see him when he played that much in Philadelphia. I saw him pretty much with the Lakers, and he wasn't the main, you know, the main guy to go to 
on the Lakers. They had Wes and they had Baylor and, and, and Happy Harrison and so many other guys. I mean, Wilt, if he wanted to, he probably could have still scored 50 a game and, and had 30 rebounds, but he was more, honestly, at that stage of his career, he was more of a, a defensive presence. So we, I, I really didn't, as basketball junkie as I am, and I've seen all of it on YouTube, of course, I did not see Will Chamberlain in his prime with my own eyes. Uh, I have a little memory of it, but again, I go on YouTube often for Wilt videos. Um, on Twitter, you see a lot of postings. Uh, someone put up a video the other day, which I knew, game three of the 1972 Western Conference Finals, Lakers and Bucks, Kareem against Wilt, and a 35-year-old Wilt had 10 block shots, including six against Kareem. And I am of the opinion that in his prime, Wilt destroys in his prime, Abdul-Jabbar. Yes. Well, the much, much, much more physical player, Will Chamberlain, whether, you know, early in his career and even more so probably even late in his career. And, and Wilt was, listen, Wilt was one of the greatest athletes of all time. He ran track and field. He did all other sports. And, you know, when he was young, coming out of Kansas, initially into the NBA, he ran the break as well as any big yep. man ever yep. in basketball. I know we're getting off, you know, the beaten path here, but it's good to talk about him. But like I said, next week on our Sharpshooters podcast, we will have Mark Zoom off, and uh, I'm sure he'll talk about Wilt on top of everything else. I'll give you one Wilt-Kareem comparison. Kareem made his NBA de debut against Walt Bellamy. Had a really good game. Scored 28 points, I believe. In the 61-62 season, Wilt faced Bellamy 10 times and averaged 52.7 points per game. Jesus. Wow. Well, of course, Wilt, you know, one season, what did he average? How many rebounds? That was the year he averaged 50.4. 50.4 rebounds average. No, no, points per game. 50. Oh, points 4. per game. And right. Then, but did he average like 30 rebounds a game or something? He averaged, his best was uh, a little over 27. Just amazing. Incredibly amazing. And for all those who think that he was doing it against, you know, like schlocky uh, centers, uh-uh, there were plenty good centers. Probably more good centers back in his day than there are now. That's correct. I mean, the uh, the comments on the internet are he played against plumbers. Well, he played against 10 Hall of Fame centers, the likes of Russell, Kareem, Lanier, Reed, Unsell, Cowens, Gilmore, the list goes on, Bellamy. So face the toughest era of centers in the NBA history. Yeah. All right. We, uh, uh, your best pick here as we end this uh, um, Winning Ways podcast, what's your best bet? Steelers minus six. I have to agree with that and my long shot, but I still think I'm going to be right about this. I think Vlad Guerrero is going to win the MVP. Can't wait for November. <laughs> okay. Andy, thank you, and we will talk again uh, next week. Sounds good, Dave. Take care, everybody.